Welcome to Following the Way. We're a podcast that's all about following Jesus and learning his way for our lives. We believe that scripture reveals this way and invites us to follow. We're glad you're with us as we seek together. Hello and welcome to this podcast. We are currently working through the book or letter of Hebrews together. I want to encourage you to check out our previous podcast if you haven't on Hebrews that began in late November and that we've now picked back up again after a short hiatus. We're going to look at the last part of Hebrews 4 going into Hebrews 5 today. We spent time in the last podcast looking at the promise of rest found in Christ and how the intentional practice of Sabbath in our lives invites us into rest as a way of life. And the last part of Hebrews 4 connects to this as it begins to speak of Jesus as our high priest, our great high priest. Hebrews is fascinating in how it examines the various ways in which Jesus has fulfilled God's promises and is greater than all things and anyone. And what is shocking is that amidst all the claims of Jesus' divine status and his authority over all things, he is not removed or distant from us, which would be expected given the magnitude of who Jesus is and who we are. What we learn here, though, is that Jesus identifies with us and yet is the very source of our salvation. Hebrews 4.14 urges us that since we have a great high priest in Jesus, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. This is a theme throughout Hebrews. Don't look back. Don't harden your hearts. Don't give way to unbelief. Don't shrink back. Look to the reality of Jesus and what he has accomplished to help us stay committed to him. The end of chapter 4 and going to the end of chapter 7 actually sees a focus on Jesus now as the greatest of all great high priests. It seems as though the writer is almost systematically kind of going through the ways that Jesus is greater than anything that has come before, that all were a shadow, if you will, of what was to come in Jesus. And so it's necessary, if we are to understand this comparison, to have knowledge of the priesthood in the Old Testament and the role of the high priest in helping cleanse the people before God. Having said that, this is just a basic explanation and not exhaustive by any means. But we have to have a basic understanding. In fact, the writer of Hebrews reminds those hearing the letter of the role of the high priest. It's like he's reminding them, this is the one selected from among men and appointed to represent them before the Lord. The one who would offer the gift offerings and sacrifices before the Lord, making atonement for the people, being their representative before God. And this high priest was chosen by God as Aaron was chosen by God and then his descendants to serve in this calling, Jesus also was chosen. Jesus did not take this glory for himself. He was surrendered to the will of the Father, it says. As it says in Philippians 2, Jesus did not think equality with God as something to try and grab for himself. He considered himself nothing. He humbled himself to the point of death on the cross. The selflessness of Jesus was a core reason why he was exalted by his father. We see that worked out here in at the beginning of Hebrews 5. And like we have seen and will see throughout Hebrews, the writer highlights Old Testament texts that speak prophetically of Jesus' place. First, here in from Psalm 2 verse 7, 
And then from Psalm 110, that speaks of being a priest forever, it says, in the order of Melchizedek, which you might go in the order of Melchizedek. What? Who is that? We'll, we'll leave that for later because the writer delves deeper into this connection in Hebrews 7. And so we'll get into that yet when we enter into Hebrews 7. But I want to go back and I want to focus on what it says at the end uh, of Hebrews 4. And Jesus being the one who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. The writer connects this to the high priest who represented the people and was able to deal gently with them because he too was prone to weakness. But Jesus is on a whole nother level. He didn't come to just sacrifice on our behalf. He became the very sacrifice for us. And he is not like any other high priest before him, because although he was tempted in every way, it says that he was without sin. And yet he can identify with you because he walked this earth and experienced the struggles and temptations that we do. You know, it's one thing to have empathy for what someone is going through, and we can try to have empathy for people, and we should. But if you have experienced the same thing as they have, if there's something in your life you've experienced and then you walk alongside someone else who's experienced that same thing, your ability to relate is on a whole other level. It's completely different than just trying to have empathy, which is a good thing. And what it says here is that every single thing you have been tempted with on this earth, everything Jesus can identify with, Every single thing, greed, lust, pride, anger, envy, unforgiveness, depression, anxiety, sexual sin, addiction, and the, and the list goes on. There, there's, we could just come up with a huge list of the various temptations that people face, that we face. It says, there's nothing that Jesus wasn't tempted with. He gets it. But he's different because he didn't sin. Now, do you ever wonder why that is? Or how is that even possible? Like, like really begin to think that through. Jesus was tempted in every way, but he was without sin. I've, I've thought about that and I went, I've, I've worked that through rationally at times and went like, really? Like how, how is that possible? Before we touch on that though, We need to hear this because this is the basis for the invitation to approach the throne of God with confidence. This, meaning you can approach the throne of God, meaning you don't have to wonder or doubt if God will actually respond to you. Like, oh, I don't know if God cares about me. I don't know. Maybe it's like what I've done. You have no idea what I've done, Paul. Like, like you just, I don't know. Like, I I just, I don't think God cares about me. I don't think he has time for me. No, it says here, We can approach the throne of God with confidence. No doubt. He will respond to us. And there's mercy and grace by the bucket load when we have need, it says. Which is pretty much always. And I think the writer of Hebrews is trying to impress upon the people, upon us. Why would you ever think of leaving, of turning away from this kind of help? This is where life And all its fullness is found. This is where healing is found. So, how did Jesus do this? How how is it even possible that he didn't sin? 
Because if this isn't true, then the basis for what is said here is in serious jeopardy. Really. Like, when I think about this, I go, how, how is this possible? Because I don't know that I, I, I can't, no, I can't go without a day without giving into something on some level where I need forgiveness for something, where I, I give into temptation on some level in my character. That's, that's a daily struggle. Maybe you're not there, but I need help pretty much always. So how did Jesus do this? Did Jesus just turn on his God shield whenever he felt temptation? Just kind of hit a button and that allowed him to resist? Perhaps, but I think the answer is in verses 7 to 10 of Hebrews 5. When you begin to spend some time in those verses, because it speaks of Jesus's life on this earth and where he drew his strength. It's so incredible. It was about his relationship with his father. It says that Jesus was heard because of his submission. It's not a very popular word in our day, but it's really popular in scripture. It's all throughout it. It says, even though he was a son, like the son, chosen, called, even though he learned obedience through what he suffered, submission, obedience, suffering. This is what it says Jesus experienced. Jesus went to the father in this in these times for his life. It says he offered up prayer and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. Now, that's likely speaking of the Garden of of Gethsemane in particular, but perhaps even throughout his life. And I think so. I think that the Gospels, what we read in the Gospels of Jesus's relationship with his father, getting alone, I think it speaks of that. Jesus knew struggle. I, I just read the gospels, just read what he experienced at the hands of people. Just consider the things that Jesus had to walk through. He knew struggle. He knew pain. He knew real life that was hard, difficult, people turning against him, people rejecting him. He knew so many things of how it felt and he knew it all. And All those things that for us as well, where they hold the temptation to take the easy way out at times. Jesus knew all of that. The writer goes on to say in verse 11, that we have much to say about this. He writes, there is much to contemplate and consider about this because it is not removed from us as followers of Jesus. This is the way of Jesus. This wasn't Jesus's way and somehow we have a different way. No, this is the way of Jesus. Now, that doesn't play well in our hedonistic culture of health, wealth, and prosperity and accomplishment and achievement and making yourself look good and presenting a brand and an image, you know, like just goes on. This this is now where we live where you need to present yourself in such a way that is marketable to others. And this doesn't play well in that. But this is the way. (laughs) As I say that, I'm reminded of the Mandalorian, but that's a whole other story. This is the way. 
And we're going to talk about that in our next episode as we continue in Hebrews. We're going to leave it there for now because that deserves a bit more exploration and we need to talk about that and what the writer of Hebrews goes on to say. And so until next time, my friends, keep looking to Jesus. He is the way and we want to follow that way. We'll see you again, Lord willing.